Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. And today we are going to talk about the career stories method with our very special guest, Carrie Twig. Carrie is the author of the career stories method, a LinkedIn top voice and TEDx speaker. She's spent the last 20 years helping people find and share their stories. And she's taught at theaters, universities, and even a boathouse. Carrie is joining us from Winnipeg, if I'm not mistaken. Carrie, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Hey there. Super great to be here. Very cool. A boathouse. Yeah. Um, do you want to know the story? Of course. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> story <laughs> so person. That's, that's also like a hint for anybody listening on how to, if you put a little interesting thing that people don't hear often, they'll ask you about it. So it's a great networking tool to just put in like a little thing. Cause I could have, like my bio could have just been, I wrote the book and I spent 20 years and this is the degree I have, but a boathouse you want to know about. Um, so I was working at a women's retreat um, for the YMCA. I had this women's retreat on this Island and I was teaching a drama class and the space we were supposed to work in got uh, strangely enough, like a lot of water in it. Um, so they said, just go and do it in a boathouse. So we were doing drama exercises, like improv in exercises around a boat, like standing huh. on the water. There's only like 12 women or, or something, but I was like, this is perfect. This is a perfect, uh, a great story. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> that is such an amazing like live example of what I feel like we're about to get into. You're scratching the surface already for us. Let's get, let's do this. Um, you yeah, came exactly. to the world of career coaching from a pretty interesting place from the sounds of it, from what you just told us. Um, could you share a little bit more with us and our dear listener, how you kind of made it to this point in your career? Yeah. So most of my career has been in the arts um, as a playwright and as a drama teacher um, the arts for me didn't pay a lot of money. So even though I had, you know, I have a, my first degree is in uh, drama and education. So how to teach through drama. Um, and I have an MED, uh, you would think that, Hey, you could make some money. And I made like no money at it. Um, so I got to a point where I was crying about money a lot and trying to figure out what I might be able to do next. And I saw people in like suits pencil skirts and I knew that I was as smart as them. I knew I was as interesting as them and I didn't understand how they could be making money and I wasn't. So I figured out a way and we'll get into how I figured it out, but I figured out a way to know what my skills were that weren't about the arts, what I could bring to a new industry. Um, and then I the way I transitioned was I moved into HR, did like an HR certificate online um, got a like HR honors and landed, I, I lucked out and landed a job, um, as a career coach in a corporate firm. Whereas my job before that was teaching art in like community center basements. Mm. <laughs> so I got trained on the job, wow. how to be a career coach by like all these, all these other executive coaches. Um, so they trained me up and then doing that in the firm for three years, I saw gaps. I was like, well, maybe we could add some drawing and maybe we could add some stories and maybe there's some meditation. And so I started with clients just to introduce those bits. Um, and they, and I was successful at it. Like people, huh. not all clients, like not everyone liked it. Um, <laughs> but where, where it was, 
where it worked with the person. Um, I did that. Then I left the HR firm to work in government. Um, and within like three days of working for the government, someone called me that knew me from, from HR and said, well, you coach my husband. He's not a guy who likes career coaches. Like <laughs> he would never, but would you like mm-hmm. meet him, meet him in a bar? Um, I was like, yeah, I'd be like careers and beers. And, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And so I coached him. He landed a great like VP of marketing job. He told the other dad said dance class, like kids dance class about it. And so at the beginning of the business, I just coached like dads <laughs> how to get jobs. Um, then I shared it on LinkedIn and it kind of took off. So not really, huh. not really planned. Like it's just been in response to, to people wanting it. That's so cool. That is so epic. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any questions? It's huge, that thing. But are there any pieces of that that you're like, you want more on? Well, even though it wasn't planned, it sounds like it was, it followed a path. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So I think like from the, I think the getting like moving from the arts to the HR, that was the most significant because once I was in the realm of be like of business people taking me seriously, then like then the opportunities changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really I, and I knew when I was leaving, you know, the things that I'm really great at. So I'm like super at helping people really great at building programs, love to problems, like problem solve alongside someone. And that's, that's all I do. <laughs> like that's huh. what my, that's what my job is. Yeah. Cool. That's so cool. I feel like we could go just down a huge rabbit hole just on that story. We'll keep going a little bit on what we have planned and we may come back to what you've just said. I have a feeling that your work really takes its roots in what you just shared with us now in terms of figuring out this path and looking back and seeing the stories in the yes. method. So cool. We'll get into that. Your book called the career stories method. It came out in the first half of January and right now we're in 2021. And so just a few weeks ago, really what compelled you to write a book about a career book about stories? Oh, um, so one, again, like people asked for it. So I've been doing career stories now. I just passed like my three year anniversary of being just employed by me. Yeah, um, congratulations. Oh, I know. It's so good. Uh, it feels like I've like do it, done it forever, but also, you know, not at all, no time at all. Um, and enough people were like, like con- maybe confused or not sure what stories were, or were um, having a really simplified idea about how to use stories in your career. Um, that I feel like I wrote a lot of it in classes that I was teaching anyhow. So like a easy thing to give people when they ask that's affordable. Um, People were asking for it. And then I got really sick about, I don't know, I want to be like a year and a half ago, uh, or I couldn't walk. Um, They found this like weird mass in me. So I also had a feeling of like, if I die, I need to have uh, something. I need to have something. (laughs) So I'm like, you need to write this book. So a combo of those. Yeah. Went deep fast. Yeah. Cool. I appreciate that. Part of leaving a legacy. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, but I had a surgery last January. 
Um, and what they thought maybe was going to be cancer wasn't. So I'm like, that's wow. amazing. Right now yeah. I run like, you know, now I, um, yeah, I forget. And I had even forgotten like that story. And my husband's like, no, you need to tell people <laughs> you wrote this through, like thinking you're going to die through yeah. a pandemic. <laughs> oh, seriously. It. Yeah. <laughs> that's Whoa. incredible. That is so amazing. Ooh. Yeah, it's a very anyone listening. It's not a sad book. It's very no, positive. It's, it's a yeah. very positive book. It's I've really positive through a lot book. of it. Yeah, and I, cool. I love the intention behind it too of wanting to leave that because you have come up with this amazing method that is going to help so many people. So it's incredible that you were able to get that because that's not easy either, right? Putting all of your thoughts into a concise book. I can't imagine that would be an easy task. <laughs> yeah, I think um. I think I have a weird thing in my mind where like, I forget hard things. Like I can, I can go through hard things and then I forget that they were hard. So in my mm. mind, it was easy, but it, pro it probably wasn't, but I can't, I can't access the, the suffering part of it. Huh. That sounds like a great thing to have. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> Except in like arguments when someone's like, that was a bad time, right? And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> that would be annoying. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I, I love that we're talking about this topic because stories have been so important in our societies for generations. My initial thought when we were thinking about this episode is that stories are sometimes forgotten in today's world. Do you think that that's true? I don't think so. Um... Uh, maybe the art, like, I think there's so many times when the trend becomes, like, everyone needs to tell a story, tell your story, know your story, that it gets picked apart, like a story is this or it gets defined. And so I feel like some people have maybe lost the, the art of it, like mm -hmm. what, what a natural great story sounds or feels like, because we're calling it content. Um, and I think some people think they're telling stories and <laughs> they're really just sharing a situation a, like a story isn't a story until you add some emotion in with a situation. Um, but I don't like, I shared a sh story today on LinkedIn and then another guy told this incredible story about how he landed a job by just talking about Taekwondo with mm. somebody <laughs> and that was his way in. And so I'm like, we're always telling stories. <laughs> Yeah. True. So maybe it's not that they're forgotten, but we don't notice that we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, or really simplified, like, or we lose the art of it because a simplified version is, is prompted, like mm -hmm. is seen as more important and that makes sense. Not. Yeah. Cool. You state pretty early on in the book, um, that it's for a lot of different people. It's for entrepreneurs, students, mid-senior level executives. How can the concepts of this book apply to such a broad audience, Carrie? Um, well, I've worked with that whole range and I've seen it work. So um, that's how I know, like that's how I feel confident in saying it. I also, like for me, the book is, um, I really want it to be a book that you read and then you keep. Mm. <laughs> like you don't, you don't want to give it away because the exercises you can come, you can come back to, 
right? Like I personally go back to the same exercises in my own career. So I'll go back to those cards of, you know, I may not do um, a whole year or like my whole career, but the fourth round going around it, I'll be like, yeah, what gave me joy in the last year in my work? Um, what's, yeah, how has my brand changed a little bit? So I feel like it's a book that you can develop over time and the exercises are, they're going to hit you differently depending on when you do them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, for a student, my method is hard. So um, if you don't have a lot of work experiences or you've never done work that you like and you've never fit in, like anybody who hasn't had an opportunity to um, fit in or feel good about work that they've done, will struggle because I I kind of it I kind of assume someone has something good in their life and sometimes if you're 16 and had a run time so so far I think I don't think it's the best but if you've uh -huh. done things and you have friends and you've been to school and done projects it will work. Cool, wow, yeah. That's really insightful. There's not too many times where you hear an author actually say, this is where I think it's not going to be as effective, but I still think you've provided a really good outlet for people who are just in the beginning to look around and see from the life experience that they do have, that this is a very accessible tool and a method. And that's really neat. That's really cool. Yeah. It's also not a quick fix, right? No. Like, it's no. so I think if you got it and we're like, I want to land a job really quick, you would be very annoyed by my book. <laughs> Super annoyed. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I th I still think it's worth doing. You know, um, you know, be active in the other things. Uh, but the I'm not really I'm not looking to give a give a quick fix. <laughs> so why do stories help us progress in our careers? Why? Well, um, so I think that there's three there's three areas that stories can work. So mainly like we all know science that like, if you tell, like I see kind of a story like, um, like you're putting a, like it's, it's magic, right? Like I can drop an image in your head. I can say, oh, look out my window. There's a woman in a yellow dress. She's dancing <laughs> with a purple bear and it's in your head, right? Like yeah. that, that's wild. So <laughs> you can put, you can put ideas, you can put images in other people's heads. It, and what I just did is just like gave you a detail. So there's no story. Um, but what it can do is, is it can light up people's brains in a way that they're going to remember you and they're going to remember you at a deeper level than if you just give them facts. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can kind of tickle someone's brain by helping them to remember something, um, make a connection to something else in their life, they're going to remember you. They're also going to trust you and they're going to understand you and you're trying to do at a level that if you just give facts, don't, don't work. Um, in terms of the stories that we want to have in our careers is we want to be aware of the story that we tell ourselves because no other story can hold you back more, mm -hmm. um, you know, then you either tell yourself you, a story of, I feel worthy about this work, or you tell yourself a story like, I, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who gets to do that kind of work, mm -hmm. right? And that right there will, will stop you from going for things or not going for things. Um, there's a story that you tell other people. 
so then they get to make the connections about it. And then it's also like, it's a story people are telling about you. And so if people are not aware of what your worth is or what you've done, what you do or what makes you different, they're not going to tap you on the shoulder, like for opportunities. They're not going to invite you to things because they don't know. Mm-hmm. So the, those combinations of things can help you take your career where you want to. That's really cool. So in the example that you gave us at the very beginning about the boathouse. Yeah. So can you, can you take us through a little bit about how that might elicit some responses in us? Cause I definitely dove into that. Like I was, I was fully like, yes, tell me more. Right. Okay. So the thing that, what I did in that story, and like, you just mean, you mean just the bio, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that bio, like that could be, I could put that on, I think it used to be on my LinkedIn bio, right? Like has taught everywhere, including a boathouse. So what that is, is an element of surprise, which is just a delight. We're hungry for it, right? We know, we hear so, we hear the same story about what someone does or how they do it over and over there. Everyone's using the same words. So when you can add a tiny bit of like surprise or delight or something slightly unusual, um, but you can still back it up. It's not just about like, I love SpaghettiOs, <laughs> you know, hire <laughs> me, who cares? But it, like, it needs to be, you know, relevant. But what that does is it just, it makes people curious and it surprises them and it pops us out of, of kind of auto, auto think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, when you, and you know, when you see something like that, you know, that there needs to be a story behind it. Mm-hmm. True. Right? And mine is like, my story's not that great. Right. And I'm just like, I'm, <laughs> I was at a women's retreat. Like it's not, you know, I don't even know if I told that story well. I could have upped the stakes. So I could have made that story better um, by describing like the size of the boat or how when we were doing improv, the um, the bottom of the boathouse shook a little bit because it wasn't that shaky, <laughs> right? So I could add those elements and that would bring you in a bit more. If I had added like extra, you know, a, an extra stake into it, like, um, you know, there's a big hook on the wall, <laughs> like a big fish hook on the wall too. I wanted to make sure, yeah, so we didn't use jazz hands a lot. That would also <laughs> add, so you can, you can add, you can add things, so details to the story to make them to make them stickier or I can add to the emotion of it. Right. Yeah. So, so many different emotions that you mentioned there, delight, surprise. Um, sometimes when people hear the word emotion, they think automatically of like love or sadness or happiness, but there's so many more things that can come from that. Yeah. Um, I have an emotional story from there. I was in a yoga class in the room that flooded um, and it was first time doing yoga. And have you done Shavasana? Like at the end. So mm-hmm. at the end, mm-hmm. you do Shavasana. And I had never, and I just started like weeping for no reason. I was just started crying. I'm like, this one's great. I'm crying. I don't know anybody. And then I went up to the yoga teacher after and I was like, I'm crying. Is this normal? And she said, I've never seen anyone cry after yoga. And I had all of this shame. What? Incredible shame. Yeah. And then the next day I saw after the thing had flooded in that room, I saw her running um, down this path crying and her husband had just gotten into a car accident and she had to leave the island. 
And I remember having a feeling of like, good. (laughs) 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 I just did it again, right? In a store, like, so you're like, you're surprised because you think I'm going to have this feeling of feeling bad. But, you know, and I did feel bad for her after her husband was okay. Um, Yeah, but like, that's a better story Mm -hmm. than I taught in a boathouse. (laughs) Both are great. That's cool. We're learning by doing here as we go through this episode. I love it. Yeah. It's what my degree is in. Drama means to do. It's different than theater, right? Theater is a show, but drama means to do. And so you learn by, you learn by doing. Yeah. In in safe spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Like when in safe spaces where there's low risk, you know, try it out. Um, Yeah. And learn by, learn by doing. Hmm. Very cool. Lots of value bombs being dropped in this episode or value confetti being spread around. I think people prefer that. (laughs) Exactly. In the introduction, going back to the book itself, you talk about um, the book being based on four principles. Awareness is one, and it's something that we talk about quite a bit on this show. And then connection to others was number two. And why is connection so important? Um, I just think it's really hard, especially now to, to grow anything without other people. Um, even, even people who are like brilliant hermits still have to find a good editor or assistant, you know, to get their word out. Um, and a con- connection with others, I think we can do, we can do more with, with bigger resources. And that sense of belonging is probably going to give you the confidence to, um, like, t- to know your idea is valid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I find so often with, like, beginner coaches or beginner entrepreneurs, they, like, they think their idea is so special. And then they don't collaborate or meet up with anybody and they have no business and they don't understand why. Um, and if they would just connect with other people, like to share lessons, to get support, to have referrals, that's going to, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. So true. So mm-hmm. it, it really, there's sort of, I'm hearing at least two sort of sides to that. There's the asset of like, you have people who are kind of there for you supporting your journey whatever the journey is. And then there's you yourself developing a greater belief in what you believe in to put that in a funky way. Yeah. You have to, yeah. Connect with yourself, right? Yeah. Be in love with your own work. Not in a, like, I'm better than you. Um, but then you can be excited about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That makes so much sense. And then you want to share it with people too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then you're doing, and then you feel more, um, I talked to someone last night. Oh, she, she said she was walking uh, back and forth. And then she's like, Carrie, if I could illustrate what I'm feeling right now, it's like my, you just, my heart, I'm holding my heart, my hand and it's bleeding. And I was like, oh. and what I, what I said to her was uh, that she was doing a disservice to the world by not telling her story. I was like, you you're not letting people know how they can help you and how awesome you are. You're being really selfish and, you know, not going for opportunities and you're hurting the world because they could make more incredible things if you were around. That's some tough love right there. I know. (laughs) But 
valuable, right? So like true. that's so mm-hmm. true. Like going back a little bit into getting not too granular here, but I don't want to give away the book. Step four, you talk about, um, it's called find and make the perfect work environment. That's step four out of the 11 yeah. steps in the book. How much control do you feel people have over their work environment? And could they take like what might be a quote unquote bad environment and turn it into something that is significantly better? I think if it's um, like a skill they like to use. So if you're a chain, like if you get, I don't get my thrill out of changing things. like that. But if you are somebody who loves, like you see a mess and you love your futurist thinker and you love to think about what could be, and you're also really great at project management or change management, and you've got great communication skills and can convince people, you could change it and you would actually enjoy it. You might have clients where once they change it, then they leave because there's no challenge. Like they just like to put out, put out fires make things better and then like go find the other fire. So I think you can influence it if it's something that you, that's within your skill set. If it's not, I think it's hard to like, there's, there's techniques, like there's meditation techniques, there's, you know, convincing stuff that you can do to get yourself through a not great work environment. But I think you're just swallowing. And I, I think that you can only swallow for so long. Right. Um, but being clear from the beginning of what is what's really important to you in a workspace um, and then trying to land work in there, you know, get there as quick as you can if it's toxic. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I'd never really thought of it in terms of just how people might just have a more natural propensity to creating a better situation in a workplace, it hadn't even occurred to me. So yeah, I learned something right I can't. there. Yeah. Have no. you ever been in a toxic workplace? Semi-toxic. Lisa, you're nodding. <laughs> I've had a, I've had a couple. <laughs> I've had a lot yeah. of different jobs, so I've had a couple. Right. And then are you the kind that could change it or how did you get through it? Like what? I think at the beginning, like early on in my career, when I was faced with a toxic work environment, Um, I didn't really know what to do with it. I just Mm -hmm. sort of grinned and bared it until I couldn't anymore. And then I got out. Um, I think that being older now, it's definitely a little bit more about setting boundaries and deciding when it's enough and what you can take. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We're all, we're all different, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't do well. (laughs) I'm just like all, I'm like, 99% 99% soft skills and feelings. <laughs> so... <laughs> Makes for good coach. Yeah. For job seekers who are looking for work, you stress the importance of having a really clear target to pursue. And you mentioned that some folks kind of get lazy. That's, that's the word that you picked for the book about their targets. Can you dive a little bit more into this? Yeah. So I think, um, that's a harsh word. Hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey it's, it's I think it's true though. Stuck in my it's, head. Stuck, it's stuck, right? You're like, yeah. Cause it's probably the like three times I am actually judgy in the book. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So lazy 
lazy is where you haven't done the work to like what we were just talking about, even knowing what the perfect work environment is. Like the, you're just like, ah, I just want a job. I just want, I just want to work in marketing or, you know, I don't care what I want to do. And those targets don't get, um, don't get people excited. And it's not about not being a generalist. You can be a generalist. So you can say, I want a marketing role, but I want it in a medium to small, like small sized company. And I mostly want to be doing strategy. Um, and I don't want to manage a team. Like having that kind of specificness makes it easier for you to write about yourself, easier for you to create content and easier for your friends and people in your network to know what you're good at and what opportunities to bring your way. And a hiring person is going to be so excited that you are excited about that exact thing. Mm -hmm. um, especially right now, like in this pandemic where companies have <laughs> had to like rebuild, um, you know, adjust, let people go, bring new people on think about how they're going to exist. Companies right now don't have the time for someone who don't know what they want. Or it's just like, eh, I'm happy to be here. They they want to hire someone who's like ready to go and can help them with their specific problem. So I think job seekers, um, a lazy target makes your job search longer. And I think the offers aren't as good because they're just sort of like lazy whatever jobs. Mm -hmm. um, if you wanna, if you want a lazy whatever job, then go ahead and <laughs> have a lazy target. <laughs> get what you want. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I think people are so afraid too of setting targets because they're afraid that they're limiting themselves, but they're actually doing the opposite. And it's true of entrepreneurs too. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are afraid of setting those targets because they, they don't want to limit, but by, do, by not setting targets, you are limiting yourself. Yeah. And if you set a target really well and, and ace it, companies and people like whether yeah you're looking for a job or you're looking to start a business they will try and convince you that you can use your special talent there like they'll try and mm -hmm. convince you that you're something else so true like if you're if you're doing it really well they're like have you ever thought about you know using the skill there yeah so it kind of brings me back i think that we've talked about this in a past episode but like if you're buying a house if you're not really clear on what it is that you're looking for, your friends and family will be sending you all sorts of houses and all sorts of neighborhoods and it just gets overwhelming. Yeah. That's a great analogy. I love it. I've never heard it before. That's a good one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I don't want a bungalow. <laughs> I don't want to live three hours outside of the city. Yeah. <laughs> Stop sending me this junk. No. Yeah. <laughs> But that's for sure. You can see the value of specificity just off of that. But also, as you're saying, like the more dialed in you get on what you want, the easier it is for people to send you something that's relevant. But I think you also, like you said, you become a more shining star in what you do. If you're like, this is me. And then similar to what you just said, kind of playing off of people seeing you once they've seen your awesomeness, you're kind of like overflowing with awesomeness and the spillover is what traps, not traps, but picks up the attention of other people who are like, can you also do that over there? That's been yeah. my, my modest experience in life. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Can you share some stories with us of how the career stories method has helped people that you've worked with? 
Oh, yeah, I was trying to think of my favorite, <laughs> my favorite ones. Um, so I think my favorite, he's in the book. I think he's like example, I don't know, three or four, but the sales guy. So I worked with this, he's just incredible guy. Um, and he's even like, since then got a even more, I think he's like a senior VP or something now. Like he's maybe press, I don't know, something, something fan, very fancy. Very fancy. Yeah. So he, when I first met him, it's because his company, so a lot of times companies, when they're letting people go, will hire me. Um, to be the outplacement person. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this person, really great person, not a great fit for us. Um, a typical career coach won't be good, but I think you'll be great for them. So I got this guy. Um, and at first he was like, yeah, I made this sale, this sale, this sale. And he kept on kind of landing jobs uh, that were sales jobs by selling this story about being this great sales guy. And when we started to dig into his story, we actually found that the thing that he loves to do is research. Like he is fantastic at research and strategy, but he would get into companies where he wanted to do deep research because that's what would land in the big sales and they wouldn't respect that. So he wouldn't be making them the, the target and then he'd get let go. And so that spiral was going. So I, after a while, we lots of work, actually not that much work, but he changed his story to be that he was a strategic guy and that he really loved research. And he changed the story and ended up with a company that also wanted, like just wanted some depth. Um, and I think a little like prestige to what they were doing. And he's just shun, like he's just, he's shining. He's um, getting promotions he's leading teams he's doing like all the work that he wants to do and it was just by examining like the story that he's telling mm -hmm. um yeah I have and also I had a local woman who's working at a construction company and like not sure about what she wanted to do um and and she ended up landing this job at um like Ubisoft like a video game company just by like just changing the way that she was telling her story. So I think that's probably the biggest difference is that when I meet people, they feel lost, not quite sure what they wanna do. And through a pretty painless, like it's just me listening to their stories. I'll listen to seven stories and go, uh, it sounds like these three things excite you about your work. Does that seem right to you? And here's a phrase to say them. Um, then we go through some values. So just that, that people who feel lost or like their career is never going to work out, um, end up landing jobs that they just never thought they could get. Mm. Um, yeah. And sometimes starting businesses as well. That's amazing. Yeah. I always find that clients say that they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm rambling. I'm like, no, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> this is all good stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's where the gold's at. I love it. We have some questions, Carrie, that we ask of all of our guests who come on the show. Lisa's going to start off this segment as we head into our back end. Okay. Yeah. So one of the questions that we like to ask is, um, what is the most fun that you've had in your career? Because we like to make sure that we're not taking ourselves too seriously. So um, I taught this class at the theater called Mrs. Twig's Surprising Suitcase, where <laughs> I, it's a 10 week class and it was like a build your own adventure. So we would start the class off with um, me in a, in a big uh, train trunk. 
and all the kids would come in and a teacher's assistant would like take like take attendance and he'd be sitting there and about five minutes in the class I would start kicking from inside this train trunk and I said let me out of here let me out of here bang 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 the kids like they never seen me before um I would open it up I'd pop out and they were like <gasps> and I would say like it's me you know and be I had this wild suitcase with me too and they're just like who are you I'm like I'm Mrs. Twig and you little rotten kids locked me in this case and I want to know why and that would we would spend the next 10 weeks figuring out how Mrs. Twig got in the suitcase and they would be like and it you know like one was like we didn't I was like well who did and someone was like it was a pirate I'm like well let's go and then we would build a pirate ship out of mine boxes and go on go on the adventure so playing Mrs. Twig and the thing is like my maiden name was Armstrong I was just like dating my husband and I took his <laughs> last name and made a character and that's sold awesome. it as a class wow <laughs> yeah so I love that's that chanting sneak <laughs> and so fun yeah yeah I love it yeah it's like unlimited Amazing. creativity there holy cow oh just, but that's like, um, kids learn by doing, right? Mm-hmm. So they're in this situation where they have to solve this woman they don't know. It's mad at them for locking them in a trunk. They're going to come up with a creative idea. Um, I'm going to go with it. So if they say pirate ship and I say, yeah, and immediately validate their idea and let it come to life and bring all the other kids to believe in them too. Like the confidence in believing in your own idea, like, all it takes is like a small little yes, right? And then the next week, another kid would give an idea and we'd spend an hour, you know, getting deep into it. It was, yeah, super fun. Sounds like something that could benefit adults too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, yeah. Awesome. Um, our next question is around risk because we all take some risk at our career. We might not see it always as risk, but um, what would you say has been the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? Um, hmm. Well, I think it's a tie, a tie between leaving the arts, although I don't really feel like I've left. (laughs) I think I've just brought it somewhere else. Uh, But I think leaving the arts um, and then like starting, starting my own business. Yeah. It worked out fine. (laughs) (laughs) End of story. Happy ending. Sorry. (laughs) That's cool. Carrie, what's the best piece of career advice you've ever received? I think it's like still in my head. Um, Maybe it's kind of corny, but it's my dad. And he's just like, they're going to love you. (laughs) And I just wonder if everyone kind of went into meetings or jobs or whatever they're going to do, just kind of in the back of their heads being like, they're going to love you. Like how that would just change what you're going to do, right? Not that they always do or, you know, <laughs> they always did. Um, yeah, but I'd worry about something. He's like, yeah, they're going to love you, care. You know, your smile. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> I'm kind of feeling that one. <laughs> yeah, right? But, but like, yeah, they're going to love you. It, it's, it's simple and yet it's so profound. Yeah. Um, I do an exercise where I'm like, you go on, like go onto LinkedIn and try writing a post as if you have to um, 
defend yourself and prove your worth. Um, and you want to show someone how, how smart and experienced you are and go write a post and then post it. And it can be even be like the same kind of story. Um, you know, so one day post it and then the next day go back, write the same post, same story, but go with it with like, they're going to love me mm. <laughs> and see how the energy of the way that you create it and the way that people take it changes. Like it's, it sounds really cool. fluffy, but like when I'm writing defensively mm-hmm. or speaking defensively, um, I'm putting out, I'm creating more barriers. Yeah. Totally. And when I'm just like, yeah, maybe they'll love it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's what Lisa said, really profound. And I don't think that's fluffy at all, actually. My personal opinion though, where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing, Carrie? Well, in my book, (laughs) Uh, yeah, so I am quite active on Instagram as Career Stories Carrie and on LinkedIn, just Carrie Twig. I'm not great at updating my blog, but I have a website, careerstories.com. Yeah, but mostly social media because I like people. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Thank you so much for your time this evening. It has been a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with you, learn about the book, but also just to hear and be around your energy. I can see how you help a lot of people just by being you. People do love you. See, I love it. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. We will call it a week at that for the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Our guest, Carrie Twig, has a great book, The Career Stories Method. Go and check it out. We hope you're well, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. Are you looking to connect with awesome people on LinkedIn and build the kind of professional network that gets you hired faster? Go to coachwazo.com slash C-E-L-I to get access to my free five-day e-course called Connecting Effortlessly on LinkedIn. You'll be on your way to creating the relationships that build your career. Once again, that's C-O-A-C-H-O-I-S-E-A-U dot com slash C-E-L-I.